0: We're just not getting anybody responding to us. The growing petition by parents in Surrey to extend the school break plus. Evacuation orders and flood warnings, ski hill closures and canceled ferry sailings. The South Coast battered by a storm. And a Victoria cabby's surprise destination for a belligerent passenger.
1: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
0: Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Most BC public school students are set to return to class on Monday following the winter break. But if tens of thousands of parents and students have their way, that won't happen. They've signed a petition asking the break to be extended due to continuing concerns about the pandemic. Paul Johnson has our top story.
1: Back to the classrooms. With the end of the holiday season drawing near, it'll be a relief for some families, but for others, anxiety. And this was two full weeks of
2: potentially people gathering and doing things that don't adhere to the public health
1: order. Kathy Marlus is the creator of an online school COVID tracking resource intended to provide information to worried parents about the status of the pandemic as it pertains to schools. She thinks a pragmatic move would be to make Monday's return to class optional.
2: People are not feeling safe with the existing school plan. I think after the holiday, we don't know what
3: people's behaviors have been. In terms of schools, I mentioned a few weeks ago. But
1: for provincial authorities, greenlighting the return to class appears to have come only after careful thought and planning by a task force of senior educators and doctors who weighed the dangers of covid against the disruption to children's
3: development by keeping them home. We have uh, engaged in that process and people are preparing to make sure that we can go back to school safely um, next week and that is uh, kind of exciting for lots of children I know.
1: In Surrey, parent Ronnie Sangara thinks delaying another two weeks would be a safe move, time enough to watch the caseload without the kids getting too far behind. She feels that whatever steps the experts have taken, they haven't listened enough to parents like her.
4: We're just not getting the answers that we need, or we're just not getting anybody
1: responding to us. Paul Johnson, Global News. An
0: alleged Drunk anti-masker ended up in jail following a New Year's Eve cab ride in Victoria. Just an hour into 2021, police say a taxi driver called 911 to report a belligerent passenger who was refusing to wear a mask, was touching the driver's face and not following pandemic rules. The cabbie drove straight to Victoria Police Headquarters where the taxi was met by patrol and traffic officers. Police say the man was taken into custody after refusing to leave the cab. He was slapped with three $230 COVID fines for failing to wear a face covering, for abusive or belligerent behavior, and for failing to comply with police. The man was also ticketed for being intoxicated in public and was held in a cell until sober. Our West Coast is experiencing some wild weather causing flooding on Vancouver Island where an evacuation alert on a couch in tribes land has been upgraded to an evacuation order in some areas. Heavy rainfall in Duncan is leading to rising water levels in the Cowichan River and saturated ground. People living on the Wilson Road and Sahilton Road must leave their properties immediately due to flooding. The Cowichan tribes issued an evacuation alert at noon for eight low-lying areas. By two of those areas, Wilson and Sahilton Roads, were under an evacuation order. RCMP and other emergency agencies are helping with the evacuations. A high stream flow advisory has been posted for Metro Vancouver and the surrounding areas, including Mosquito Creek in North Vancouver. The River Forecast Centre expects the highest flows this weekend, depending on the timing and the intensity of the rainfall. And the public is reminded to stay clear of fast-moving rivers and potentially unstable riverbanks right now. Wind surfers were among the few people happy with the strong winds in Tawasson today. The poor weather forced BC ferries to cancel one round-trip sailing of the Spirit of Vancouver Island between Swartz Bay and Tawasson. A number of other sailings have been held at dock to wait out the conditions. You're, of course, advised to check the BC ferries' website before travelling. The weather also affected operations at some local mountains. Mount Seymour posted this morning that they were closed due to adverse conditions. Whistler-Blackcomb issued a rare warning to visitors to ride and ski with caution and stay up-to-date on current conditions. Grouse Mountain also says its mountaintop activities, including their downhill ski ride and chalet facilities, are closed. In the interior, another winter storm warning has been issued for the Shushwap region. Environment Canada is calling for heavy snowfall from Eagle Pass to Rogers Pass along the Trans-Canada Highway. Motorists are being asked to avoid any unnecessary travel in the affected area as hazardous winter conditions are expected. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell has your forecast coming up. The extreme weather has meant the avalanche risk is heightened almost right across B.C. Two people died in slides this week alone. Tonight, friends and family of those men are speaking out, remembering their loved ones who perished despite being experienced in the backcountry. Julia Foy reports.
4: Pemberton snowbiker Graham Haywood loved to show off his sport.
5: He just saw these things and he knew that that was going to be the sport for him so he sold his snowmobile and bought one and then the first day he forced me to try it i sold my snowmobile and i bought one as well
4: the two grahams as they were known spent many a day enjoying the views and the thrill of riding in the mountains
5: he was always the first guy in the parking lot when we went snow biking and the last guy to leave at the end of the day and you know his energy just carried everyone through the day every day and you know, he was our leader.
4: On December 27th, Graham Haywood was snow biking with buddy Nick Boykir.
5: So Nick was a really good guy too, really loved riding with him. And, uh, he was one of the only guys who, you know, had the same passion that, you know, just a few of us have for this new sport.
4: Both men were described as experienced explorers, but the next day they were killed in an avalanche. Experts say the risks are extremely high this weekend.
6: We're in a natural avalanche cycle here. We're recommending that people avoid avalanche terrain.
4: Nick Boyker's family told Global News they're working on a project to help new riders with little mountain experience get formal avalanche training. In the meantime, donations can be made to Pemberton and Chilliwack Search and Rescue.
6: If you don't have the training to recognize avalanche terrain, don't go in the mountains. If you do go into the mountains without training, make sure that you avoid avalanche training by staying on, on very low-angle slopes with nothing above you.
4: Cam says the death of two of his friends is terribly sad, but it won't stop him from returning to the mountains in the future.
5: People have to follow their hearts and their passions and, and live their lives and pursue their dreams. And, you know, I don't hold it against anyone who does that. And that's what Haywood and Nick were doing, and... You know, that's where their heart was.
4: Julia Foy, Global News.
0: A tragic update to the search for a missing First Nations boater off Tofino. After an extensive search, Harry Lucas's body was discovered in Hot Springs Cove near Tofino today. The fisherman and elder with the Hesquiat and Hubakasath Nation left a house at at 3 o'clock Thursday afternoon. When he didn't arrive in Hot Springs Cove several hours later, a major search was launched. Community members and the Coast Guard faced stormy weather during more than two days of searching in the waters. Lucas's granddaughter and her dog found his body on a beach in Hot Springs Cove where debris had been reported. The Nachalnath Tribal Council says Lucas is now with the ancestors and is thanking everyone who helped in the search. A devastating start to the new year for a family in a Soyuz. A young man was killed in a house fire late last night. Neighbors reported the man was trapped inside the house and another family member tried to go back inside to save him. Firefighters were able to rescue them both. They were rushed to hospital, but one later died from his injuries. Osoyo's Fire Rescue and the B.C. Coroner Service are investigating. New details today into the New Year's Eve fire in Duncan that claimed one life. RCMP have now ruled out illegal activity and drugs as a possible cause of the fire that ravaged the four-story residential building on Lewis Street. Seven people were taken to hospital in ambulance. Another person who was in critical condition with severe burns was flown to a higher-level care facility but did not survive. Friends and family have identified the deceased as Gary and The building remains inaccessible as officials continue their investigation. A routine traffic stop last night net at Abbotsford police several weapons and drugs. One patrol car found real and fake firearms, a machete, brass knuckles and drugs during the stop. Police say an investigation is currently ongoing. They're reminding the public that traffic stops can be dangerous and unpredictable. A man is facing six charges in connection with a random machete attack in downtown Vancouver New Year's Eve. It happened at around 6 o'clock near Granville and Helmkin streets. Police say the suspect walked up to a stranger and slashed them in the face with a machete in an unprovoked assault. The victim suffered non-life-threatening injuries. 33-year-old Cruz Thomas Joseph was arrested and charged with assault with a weapon, assault causing bodily harm and possessing a weapon for a dangerous purpose and robbery. It didn't take long for police on Vancouver Island to catch one of the first excessive speeders of this new year. Just 23 hours into 2021, the Saanich Police Traffic Safety Unit clocked a driver doing 179 kilometers an hour on the Pat Bay Highway. That's 99 kilometers over the speed limit. Officers say they intercepted the driver and impounded the vehicle. Well, it is a, a sad but necessary part of the season, disposing of the Christmas trees. Surrey firefighters hosted their annual tree-chipping fundraiser today near Guilford Town Centre. Due to COVID-19 protocols, this year's event was a drive through one with other precautions in place.
1: All the funds we raise go back into the city of Surrey. We have a charitable snack program for all the schools, for kids that don't have food. We uh, donate to Surrey Memorial Hospital, Peace Arch Hospital, the Surrey Food Bank, um, Sophie's Place. There's so many uh, places. I can't even list them in the time I'm
7: given, but every bit helps.
0: North Vancouver City Fire Department also held its tree chipping event today at the Rona parking lot near Park and Tilford. It, too, was a drive-through community service event where volunteers take the trees from people's vehicles all in a COVID-safe fashion. Money raised today will go towards funding high school scholarships. Burnaby RCMP are still trying to locate the owners of a dog that found her way to the detachment yesterday. The force sent out two tweets in an effort to reunite the Samoyed-type dog with her humans. Police have named her Snow. She arrived at the Deer Lake building Friday morning cold and scared. Snow spent the day on the cell block enjoying a meal and walks outside. RCMP say they plan to take her to the SBCA if the owners don't come forward. Calgary continues to mourn the loss of a fallen police officer, Sergeant Andrew Harnett, bouquets of flowers growing by the day placed on the snow in the northwest community of Falcon Ridge near the scene where Harnett was struck and killed amidst the pile balloons and messages thanking Harnett for his service. 19-year-old accused Amir Abdul Rahman and 17, a 17-year-old accused appeared before Justice of the Peace this morning via video link. They will both be back in court on Monday. Their lawyers say a bail hearing still needs to be scheduled. The two accused are charged with murder and had turned themselves into police late Friday afternoon. Today, Carolyn Currie de Castillo spoke to Sergeant Harnett's heartbroken brother.
7: It's like the people of Calgary to know that... <laughs> He lost probably the finest officer, most dedicated and passionate guy, someone who cared about the city
8: and the community. Andrew Harnett was the youngest of three brothers raised in Hagersville, Ontario. Eldest brother Jason says Andrew knew from an early age that policing was his calling.
7: He was so proactive. He was He was the type of police officer you'd want on the streets, you know. Not waiting for crime, but looking for it and trying to prevent it.
8: The 37-year-old died after police say he was struck and killed after pulling over a vehicle on New Year's Eve. Two teens have since turned themselves in.
7: He loved what he did so much. sergeant now for 12 years. He, he didn't need to be out on Christmas Day or or New Year's Eve, but... He chose, he wanted to be out there and we knew that he loved it.
8: Jason says Andrew volunteered in the community through his church, the Scouts, Crime Stoppers and the Lions Club, as well as the Royal Canadian Legion in Strathmore. He said his brother wanted to make a difference in Calgary communities that needed help. The chief wanted to go
7: out on a ride-along specifically with Andrew. He knew how well Andrew knew the job and knew the city and uh, Andrew was... Really passionate about the, the division, the area that he policed in. He didn't want an area that was polished, and he wanted, he wanted to work on a, on a, on a neighborhood that, that needed policing and needed enforcement and needed protection.
8: Sergeant Harnett was also a mentor to young people who were in the Calgary Police Service Auxiliary Program who looked up to him as a model police officer. Such
5: a wonderful person, such a caring person and somebody that was there for the city of Calgary.
8: Sergeant Harnett is survived by his mother and two brothers and his partner Chelsea who was the first to break the tragic news to Jason in Ontario.
7: Family loved him. We're going to dearly miss him.
8: <laughs> Carolyn Curry, de Castillo, Global News.
0: In northern Alberta, four people were killed when a helicopter crashed on New Year's Day. RCMP say the four who died, two adults and two children under 18, were members of the same family. RCMP were dispatched just before 9 o'clock last night after getting a call from an emergency location transmitter. That would have been New Year's Eve, rather, in the Birch Hills County area, about an hour northeast of Grand Prairie. The emergency signal had been sent out by a Robson R-44 helicopter. RCMP say the aircraft was privately owned, adding the nature of the trip is not yet known. The Transportation Safety Board is investigating the cause of the crash.
7: When the RCMP members arrived on the scene, they were able to confirm that a helicopter had crashed in a farmer's field. Um, they also confirmed that the four occupants of the helicopter were deceased as a result of the crash.
0: Outrage is building over an expanding list of officials, flouting pandemic travel restrictions. For months, politicians have been telling everyone to stay home in accordance with federal public health guidance that states all non-essential travel outside of Canada is to be avoided. And yet, as Sean O'Shea reports, that hasn't stopped some of them from leaving.
1: Every time you take a trip, it puts people in jeopardy.
7: With hospital intensive care units at or near capacity, government leaders have pleaded. Please stay at home when you can. But instead of practicing what they preach, some politicians have been escaping the Canadian winter, quietly jetting away over the holidays. Now a growing scandal in Alberta. Someone chose to travel with rules that were in place that advised otherwise. Three United Conservative Party politicians decided to fly the coop over Christmas for fun. Cabinet Minister Tracy Allard vacationed in Hawaii, so did Parliamentary Secretary Jeremy Nixon. The Premier's own Chief of Staff, Jamie Huckabee, went to Britain last month, but so far none is facing discipline. I really don't believe I can impose sanctions on individuals who uh, did not uh, violate the public health orders uh, or the law.
9: It's just nakedly hypocritical and that's why I think it's got such the the the, the resonant palpability that we're
7: feeling. In Manitoba, MP Nikki Ashton went to see her ailing grandmother in Greece, but didn't tell NDP leader Jagmeet Singh ahead of time. Ashton was stripped of her critic role as a result. But Ontario's finance minister has paid the highest price for his secret trip to St. Bart's, an exclusive island in the Caribbean. When the story got out, Ontario Premier Doug Ford expressed outrage, the next day admitting he knew shortly after Phillips arrived on the island destination. I talked to him and asked where he was. He said he was away, so this is going to be an issue. Uh, My mistake. Phillips was ordered home and resigned.
1: Significant uh, error in judgment. Uh, A dumb, dumb mistake. For a trip to the beach and a cheap daiquiri, he's thrown it all away.
7: Like some other political vacationers, Phillips used social media to make it seem like he was at home. A very Merry Christmas. Phillips is now a comedic punchline on social media.
6: We all need to do St. Bart's. I mean, our part.
7: And with an air of woe is me, Calgary MP Michelle Rempel Gardner bemoans because of politicians like Phillips, now she can't travel to the States.
5: I'll just be selfish and say, like, thanks, Rod. I don't get to see my mother-in-law now because there'll be a witch hunt if I go see my family.
7: Tis the season when most of us heed the warnings to stay at home, but many closer to power do not. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto.
0: The number of deaths from COVID-19 in a long-term care facility east of Toronto has grown to 52 residents. The story sparked another protest today outside the Tender Care Living Centre. As Morgan Campbell reports, families and advocates have been calling for additional staff and military intervention.
10: Kelvin Long says every day he lives in fear of a single phone call. Should
0: I pick it up or not?
10: You know, it wouldn't be any good news. His mother is one of the dozens of residents at Toronto's Tender Care Living Center. While she has not been diagnosed with COVID-19, others at the facility have. Since mid-December, the disease has killed more than 50 people living there and sickened over 100 more.
9: They helped build this country. Why are we treating them like this? It's got to stop.
4: I don't work in long-term care. I don't have a relative in here right now. But the thing is, this could be any one of us.
10: North York General Hospital took over management of the home on Christmas Day. According to Ontario's Ministry of Long-Term Care, staffing is now above levels during normal operations for personal support workers and registered staff. Infection prevention and control audits have shown significant improvement this week. Environmental services staff are on site and continue to clean the home. Right now, Ontario is experiencing nearly 200 outbreaks in long-term care homes. That is one in three facilities. There have been multiple protests here at Tender Care over the last week. Advocacy groups and family members continue to call for not just government accountability, but military intervention. A move the Ontario Health Coalition says is imperative as hospital resources are becoming strained due to community spread.
8: The staff have to come from somewhere. We cannot leave these people to starve, to go without water, to go without any um, respite from their pain or human
10: contact or care during the speech from the throne the prime minister committed to producing national standards for long-term care homes right now they are not part of the canadian health act which means provinces and territories regulate facilities and that's
0: something i think that is really important to have a set of national standards and working together
10: families say that is a step toward a brighter future but it is the present they are concerned about
1: My greatest fear is my mom dying alone.
0: Morgan Campbell, Global News. We'll learn more about B.C.'s vaccination rollout on Monday. Health officials in Manitoba are getting ready to ramp up vaccinations there with a move to the RBC Convention Centre in Winnipeg. The converted centre will be the new super centre for inoculations in the province starting Monday. The new facility aims to allow for more streamlined and physically distanced process. So far, about 3,400 shots have been administered in Manitoba. Thousands of appointments have been made for next week, but more than 3,000 appointment slots are still available for eligible health care workers. The UK's chief medical officer is defending a decision to delay second doses of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. The new strategy aims to protect those most vulnerable as the virus runs rampant across the country. The interval between doses will be extended up to 12 weeks instead of three recommended by the manufacturer. The Pfizer vaccine was first distributed in the UK in early December. The call is prompting a debate among experts with a group representing British doctors criticizing the delay. And calls to keep schools in England closed are growing. Teachers are pushing to keep kids out of class for another two weeks after Christmas break. It comes after Education Secretary Gavin Williamson said that all, all London primary schools would remain closed on Monday, but only in some boroughs. But the National Education Union is asking for a remote learning period so mass testing can be conducted. And they held an emergency meeting today to discuss the situation. In Health Matters tonight, people who consider themselves to be casual cigarette smokers may actually be addicted. Researchers at Penn State and Duke University found that many light smokers, those who smoke up to four cigarettes per day or less, still meet the criteria for nicotine addiction. They're now being advised to consider treatment. Lighter smoking is still less harmful than heavy smoking, but doctors say it still carries significant health risks, including more severe reaction to COVID-19. We know the pandemic has weighed heavily on many Canadians' mental health. And on New Year's Eve, a lot of people said, so long to 2020, but welcome to 2021. But as Sarah Comedina reports, it doesn't take a psychologist to tell us we're not out of the woods just yet.
2: In a year when everything turned upside down, skiers hitting the slopes at Rabbit Hill feel a sense of relief. Just a little bit of normal would be great, and Rabbit Hill gives us that. Lauren Haas came out with her family. Like it was for many, 2020 has been hard on her mental well-being. Trying really hard to stay positive and just know that ultimately the scientists are doing their science thing and the healthcare workers are doing their incredible brave work and we'll get there and it will be okay eventually. A recent Global News Ipsos poll showed amid the pandemic, 28% of Canadians are struggling with mental health, and 15% say they consumed more alcohol.
5: I do think we've turned the corner. I think we can see light at the end of the tunnel, and I think that will help many people's mental health.
2: Psychiatry professor Peter Silverstone suggests a 100-day challenge to improve mental health, opposed to a year-long New Year's resolution. Silverstone stresses we are just over three months away from turning that corner. That's when we'll see the weather get nicer. Hopefully the economy will see a positive change and enough people will be vaccinated against the coronavirus.
5: So realism tends to help more than inappropriate optimism. And that's why I'm suggesting this 100-day journey for mental health because I think that can help people move forwards in in an acceptable and, and hopefully helpful way.
2: Sarah Comedina,
0: Global News.
1: You're watching Global News Hour 6.
0: The heart stopping stunt that left bystanders stunned. Say that five times fast. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. Oh, goodness. Okay, but first, we want to show you the excitement of another meteorologist when he heard the sound of thunder snow for the first time.
1: Oh, my goodness! Thunder! Did you see that?
6: Thunder snow! There was a lightning ball that just hit downtown Oklahoma City while I'm talking about the snow. Oh my oh,
0: goodness. That is John Slater who works at a TV in station City. in Oklahoma City. Thunder snow is, as you might have guessed, a thunderstorm while snow is falling. It was part of a record-breaking storm that dumped up to 15 centimeters of snow in the region in just 24 hours. Oh, Yvonne, it makes me love our rain. <laughs>
3: We'll take it. We can live vicariously through his reaction, even though we don't have thunder snow right now right. today. <laughs> All right, but we do have a lot of active weather. Uh, we we're tracking a number of storms, and really, that's the big weather story, so a heads up. We've got a series of storms that are parading across the province, so we're not out of the clear just yet. Here's the active weather that we're seeing right now. Rain and heavy at times for most areas across the south coast. A bit of lightning just popped up there along the northern half of the island. The following areas, a rainfall warning along the western edge, the sunshine coast, Metro Vancouver, and that stretches in towards the Fraser Valley. Most areas across Metro Vancouver, 30 and up to 40 millimetres, but higher amounts, especially along the North Shore Mountains and working way in towards Whistler. We still have a snowfall warning for the northern half of the province. Areas near Stewart, 20 and up to 30 centimetres by tomorrow night. It's been very Windy. Check in with BC Ferries. We've had some cancellations. We're tracking the winds anywhere between 40 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. But as we get in towards this evening, it is easing off. And we've got a bit of a break overnight and leading in towards the morning hours. And then the winds are going to ramp up once again. So a heads up if you're traveling early tomorrow morning, we'll start to see those winds picking up and continuing through the afternoon. Now, snowfall has been a big weather story, especially for the interior. Here's a quick glance at what we're seeing a significant amount if you're traveling along the mountain It looks to stay as rain though, especially along the south coast. Overnight tonight it is going to ease off slightly, and then that next round of rain is going to move in towards the morning hours. So it's on and off waves, heavier at times, and then the next wave, especially as we get in towards our Monday. We do have a winter storm warning, and that's along the Kootenay and Rogers Pass, the Kootenay Pass with up to 25 centimeters, Allison Pass and the Coca Cola 10 and up to 15. Now, if you're traveling along the mountain passes, check in with Drive BC for the latest road conditions. It'll be heavy at times, a bit of a break overnight, and actually through the day if you're traveling along the mountain passes. And then it picks up once again as we get in towards Sunday night and leading in towards Monday. So a brief break. Also, big weather story, BC River Forecast Centre. We have many areas with the high stream flow advisory, but there is a flood watch along the eastern areas of Vancouver Island. So stay clear of fast flowing rivers and unstable riverbanks. And also a high avalanche risk for all areas along the south coast and coastal mountains. And what's important is the alpine tree line and below. Human-trigger avalanches are very likely. Now, for the northern half of the province, it'll taper off to showers. We've got a partly cloudy sky across the central interior. The bulk of the moisture is going to pick up once again for our Sunday night. All areas along the south coast, it is going to be rain and heavy at times, developing for the morning hours. Quite soggy, but the silver lining, Colleen, in between these systems will have some brief breaks, but uh, keep your rain gear handy. Back to you.
0: Oh, I will be doing just that. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. How did you spend your Friday night I'm going to guess it wasn't like this. Have a look. Two base jumpers stunned people at a rooftop bar in downtown Nashville last night when they walked in and jumped off the roof of the Grand Hyatt. The two men were wearing parachutes. They walked through the crowd to the side of the building and made their leap. The video shows them gliding down to the street. The woman who shot the video says a police officer told her that one of the jumpers had been arrested. I guess you're
9: not supposed to do that
3: is this sort of like a, instead of doing the polar rail swim on the first you go and do base jumping maybe? let's let's hope no <laughs>
9: i think they were just looking for some attention and mm-hmm. they got it so
0: they got it, it. They,
9: mission accomplished
0: and it's not even a leap year so <laughs> I don't oh, get
9: it. Ah. wow! in fine form just two days into the new year yes. wow. your turn barry <laughs> well i can't i can't beat that um, Uh, Canada just uh, got off the ice in their uh, quarterfinal against the Czech Republic. We can tell you they've won, so they're on to the semis. Uh, Not the prettiest game that that we've seen in this (laughs) tournament from Canada. But, you know, the Czechs are a a tough team, so we'll have uh, highlights of that. And do you believe the Canucks training camp starts tomorrow? So we'll set that up as well.
0: The pandemic has revived an unexpected hobby collecting sports trading cards. A Wayne Gretzky card recently set a record as the most expensive at nearly $1.3 million. Just one reason why it has old school veterans dusting off their collections and new hobbyists trying to cash in.
6: For Jimmy Mahan, former banker turned trading card shop owner, the pandemic has provided an unexpected boost to his Lexington, Kentucky small business.
9: They can't go to the game. They can't do anything but watch it on TV. And now in the pandemic, it just created a focus on it.
6: Former card collectors are getting back into the game, dusting off their old sets. And a new generation of modern collectors is emerging, looking for both quick flips and long-term investments.
9: People are definitely viewing trading cars as an asset similar to those commodities. The big difference between trading cards and, you know, a lot of commodities is the fact that it's there's a finite amount of supplies.
6: After years of declines, people are changing the way they price cards, similar to rare art and wine. But it's not just Bitcoin and gold coins seeing price spikes. Trading cards are becoming an asset class that can be worth big money.
9: If you took the top 100 or so cards, 500 cards and tra- trading cards, they have beat the S&P 500. By 153% over a decade. I mean, that's not a small sample size.
6: Just two weeks ago, Golden Auctions sold a Steph Curry rookie card for $611,000. A Giannis rookie card just sold for a record $1.8 million. Many collectors are putting together portfolios of cards across varying prices, as low as $100 and going well into the thousands. Warsop says the industry will make history this year, with an expected value between $1.5 and $2 billion this year the biggest in its history.
8: They just increase in value over time, particularly if that
6: player uh, performs on the court or on the field, there's a championship, for example, those cards continue to increase in value. For CNBC, I'm Eric Chemi. Help lift each other up online by taking part in Pink Shirt Day. COVID-19 has impacted everyone and shown the importance of helping one another and advocating for those who need it. Help support anti-bullying initiatives by purchasing your pink shirt today. The 37th Vancouver Sunrun returns in April virtually. While there will not be an in-person race, you can still join thousands of others as you accomplish your goals and cross the finish line. Register today as early bird pricing ends January 31st. For RBC, I'm Michael
7: Newman. Let us get you there. Global News. Navigate the now.
0: Barry's here with sports, and I caught just a moment of the uh, Canadian game uh, at the World Juniors this afternoon. It didn't look like the easy challenge they've had up until now.
9: Yeah, they've been. uh, Well, when everything's on the line, the teams dig in. So it's never easy at uh, this level. Colleen, thanks so much. Team Canada really did dominate in the round robin portion of the World Juniors, outscoring the opposition 29 to 4 in their four wins but this can be a cruel tournament. It's loser out from now on, so no room for error as Canada took on the Czech Republic on quarterfinal Saturday in Edmonton. Unfortunately, no Alex Newhook in the lineup for Canada. The former Victoria Grizzly with the shoulder injury hopefully will be good to go in the semis on Monday. Canada, a great chance in the opening minute, but Dylan Cousins stopped from two feet out by Nick Malik. But later in the period, Cousins in alone, Malik... Makes the stop, but the puck just kind of dribbles through him across the line. Cousins leads the tournament with seven goals, one nothing. Canada. Then just as a power play expires, Bowen Byram, the Vancouver Giants star defenseman and the pride of Cranbrook, squeezes one through uh, Malik as well for his first of the tourney, 2-0 Canada. Checks had some chances, but Devin Levi was a very solid. 12 saves in the first, nothing. after one. checks stayed in the game with tight checking. Had another decent chance, but Levi there to make another save. Remain 2-0 after two. Third period, checks pressing for a goal, but Connor McMichael with a break gets around the D-man, scores into the empty net. Not pretty by any stretch, but Canada grinds out a 3-0 win to advance to the semifinals. Meanwhile, earlier, Vasily Putkolzin, the Canucks' first rounder from 2019, and Russia taking on Germany. it has been okay so far in the tournament. Midway through the opening period, Russian short-handed Vasily Ponomaryov uh, uh, sprung on the breakaway. Sweet move, one nothing Russia after one. Let me try that again. Ponomaryov. I don't believe he pronounces it the first way I said it. Anyway, 1-0. Second period, Russians pounce on the turnover. Daniel Bashkarov buries it with the quick release. It's 2-0. The Germans, though, hung tough. Early third, Florian Elias has the puck Hop over his stick, but he steals it back and then risks it home to make it two to one. And then later in the period, more German pressure. It's Elias one more time. High deflection in the slot. That's off the crossbar, but it stays out. The Russians hang on. The Germans made them sweat. Two won the final. Russia wins. So it will be Canada-Russia in the semis on Monday. Meanwhile, Sweden and Finland, Scandinavian rivals, always a great game when they clash. First period, Swedes up 1-0 at another six six, Elmer Soderblom showing some incredible hands between the legs, shelves it. He's a Red Wings draft pick, 2-0 Sweden after one, but the Finns really crank it up in the second. Off the rush, Henry Nikanen finishes the pretty pass play, it's 2-1. And the Finns had a goal called back after an offside review. Kept on coming and get rewarded mid-third on the power play. Anton Lundell rips the Wrister glove side. And we are tied 2-2. Finland kept up ferocious pressure in the final minute. All sorts of chances. And with under a minute to go, Ronnie Hervainen with the wraparound goal that sends the Finns to the semis. What a comeback. Another heartbreak for the Swedes who've now just got one goal in 40 years at the World Juniors. USA Slovakia will play Finland. Uh, the winner of that will play Finland in the semis. Vancouver Canucks open training camp tomorrow morning at Rogers, if you can believe it. Full day of medicals and testing. They won't hit the ice until Monday. No Michael Furland. He remains at home where it's looking more and more likely his playing days are over. There are openings, especially on defense, for a young player to come in and secure steady minutes. We'll hear from Travis Green and Jim Benning on Sunday. Canucks season opener is just 11 days away in Edmonton against the Oilers. The Seahawks still have designs on the number one seed in the NFC. They need three things to happen. They have to beat the 49ers tomorrow, hope the Packers lose to the Bears, and also hope the Saints lose to the Panthers. Now, those are long odds, but they improved somewhat today. When it was revealed, the Saints will be without all of their top running backs because of COVID. Alvin Kamara tested positive yesterday, and the rest of the backs have been ruled out by the NFL because of close contact with Kamara. But Seattle still has to win their game. And here to break all that down is Chanel in the red zone.
11: After clinching the NFC West, the Seahawks are looking to head into the playoffs on a four-game winning streak if they can beat the 49ers on Sunday. Right now, Seattle sits third in the conference, but does have an outside shot of finishing with the number one seed. A Hawks win, coupled with a Packers and Saints loss, gives them a first-round bye. Now, a quick history lesson tells us the three times the Seahawks have had the top seed, they've gone on to play in the Super Bowl. The 49ers come in off a win versus the Cardinals and would like nothing more than to upset their division rivals. Now, San Fran has had a wacky season plagued by injuries and inconsistency. Now, in their six wins, they've allowed an average of 13 points in those games. But in their nine losses, the 49ers have surrendered an average of 32 points, including 37 versus the Seahawks back in week eight. The offense has struggled overall, but has rushed for almost 500 yards in the last three games. However, San Fran's quarterbacks have been sacked nine times in that stretch, and that's not good as the Seahawks' pass rush has recorded 10 sacks in their last three wins. The first half of the season, it was all about the offense, but now the defense is shaping the Seahawks going into the playoffs. In the last seven games, this unit is allowing just 15 points a game and has created seven turnovers. And earlier this season, Seattle had an interception and three sacks against the Niners while holding them to just 52 yards on the ground. Aside from the game versus the Jets, the Seahawks offense is only averaging 20 points a game over the last month, but the ground attack has been better. 10 times, the Hawks have hit the 100-yard mark including five times racking up at least 150 yards on the ground. As for the passing game, Russell Wilson has had some success versus the Niners, 16 touchdowns in the last seven meetings. Seattle is favored by four and a half, beat the Niners earlier this season, and have won three of the last five times the teams have met.
9: 29. NBA tonight, Pascal Siakam back in the lineup in New Orleans after being benched the other night for disciplinary reasons. Nick Nurse didn't like the fact that uh, Siakam left the bench early before the game was over against the 76ers, but he came out, started well, hits the tough fadeaway here. He had uh, two points in the opening quarter, Toronto trailed 32-26, and then Siakam... With some good vision here, finds the Canadian Chris Boucher, who had 13 off the bench in the first half. It was tied 35-35. Fred Van Vliet leading the way offensively. Look at that sweet drive. One-handed layup. 21 for Fred at the half. It was 60-55. to New Orleans much improved, of course, second year for Zion Williamson. The big man throws it down, and it's late now in the fourth. Raptors with a one-point lead with under a minute to go, and we'll have complete highlights of that tonight at 11.
0: A pro surfer is being called a hero tonight for his quick action, helping save a woman from being pulled out to sea off the Hawaii island of Oahu. The dramatic moments? Well, they were all caught on camera. Seeing the water
4: rescue, Mikey Wright picks up his camera.
0: Oh, no, his camera. He's getting dragged
9: out. So I was like, wait up, like, this is going to turn really bad here. And um, I literally was just had a beer in hand and said to my wife, like, hey, take this. It's no, nice. No, hold this. You can't save him.
4: Want to make a bet? 24-year-old Wright is a pro surfer, an Australian most famous for his trademark mullet until now. He jumps the fence and makes an all-out sprint to the struggling person, a woman. That's right, jumping into the Hawaiian
9: surf. I just came and met her on the other side of the rock. I just dove straight in and w- just went straight for her.
4: The waves as high as 15 feet in the rough winter conditions on the north side of Oahu.
9: Pretty much as soon as I, um, I got her in my arms, I just told her, I said, hey, you're going to be okay.
4: The ferocious surf had other ideas. Right sister Tyler, a world champion surfer helping from shore.
9: If it wasn't for my sister, I wouldn't have known to grab her, pick her up, and like throw myself into the wave to take the force of the wave.
4: Finally, Wright with help brings the grateful woman safely to the beach and meets her son. She was hugging me so tight, just saying thank you. Like I thought, like, I thought she was gone, and just he was in, you know, in tears. Wright now adding hero to his resume. Ann Thompson, NBC News.
0: You know what, Barry, that mullet is coming back.
9: (laughs) Well, I used to have one until earlier today.
0: (laughs) I thought you were going to say years ago. Okay, Okay, we've got a story that's kind of similar. No rescue involved, though. Mark Duncan of Summerland showed off his surfing chops near Peachland, of all places. He took advantage of the waves at Antlers Beach to surf on New Year's Day. His girlfriend captured the moment on camera. Duncan learned to surf in New Zealand a few years ago, but... This is his first time that he's tried it in fresh water. He says the waves weren't quite as big as he was hoping for, but he still had fun. And he gets A for effort.
9: And for courage with that cold. A little bit chilly, yeah. A little chilly, yeah.
3: Really quick look at weather. Uh, Blustery once again for our Sunday, but a bit of a break overnight tonight. And then in the early morning hours, a heads up. It's going to get wet and windy again.
0: Okay, we've been warned. That is the news hour for tonight. Jordan is here at 11. Thanks for joining us. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Have a good night.